Hello, friends. Welcome to RUF. My name is Sammy. I'm the campus minister. Um, hey, a couple things before we get started. Uh, number one, my wife Alyssa is here tonight. If you've not met my wife, Alyssa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, she is lovely. I'm biased, but she's lovely. So take a chance to take a second to meet her after a uh, large group tonight. And the second thing, real quickly, is uh, I feel like we've not properly... Uh, pitched what Wednesday night fellowship is. Uh, so just we're, we are t- talking about hot topics is probably the better way to say it. So last week we looked at Black Lives Matter. This week, uh, Carol is going to lead us through love is love. Uh, we're going sort of just things in our culture and I think things in the church that are hard to talk about. We've got a book that we're using to kind of guide us. But the discussion like last week, I thought was incredible. And we're also trying and rating uh, local pizzas. So, so far we've done Village, Idiot, if you've had that before, and Dano's was last week. I'm not exactly sure what this week is going to be, but that's very fun. We've got a whole 10, 10, 10, what's the right word, question scale. Uh, So far, Dano's is the clear winner. Uh, So that's at my house this Wednesday night, seven, seven? Come on out. uh, It'll be edifying, I think. So worth your time. All right, tonight we're, we're working our way through the book of Ephesians, and tonight we are in Ephesians 2, chapter 1 through 10. And let me read it for us in your handout, or you can follow along in your Bible or your Bible app. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Here's what Paul writes. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not your undoing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me pray for us, and I want to spend a little bit of time looking at this classic, pretty famous uh, portion of Scripture in Ephesians 2. Let's pray first. Our Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your word of grace. What you have done for sinners like us, those who have fallen short of your glory those who have missed the mark of righteousness and holiness and love to you and love to neighbor. We thank you for the grace of salvation that you have accomplished for us in your son, Jesus, Father. We thank you for the gospel that is good news indeed to the desperate, to the wounded, to the hurting, to the broken, to those who know something of their own or of our own brokenness. So Lord, I pray tonight in ways that you alone can do, would you let your gospel of grace 
resound not just in the in the preaching of this passage but in our hearts and our lives would you change us would you save us would you sanctify us we pray these things father in Jesus' name amen um this was not planned but the question tonight taylor swift or harry styles we're actually talking about both both tonight for a second look at god look at god look at god at work uh, but thinking about uh, Taylor's kind of first song that, that brought her in the map, Our Song, where she says, Our song is the slamming scream door, sneaking out late, tapping on your window when we're on the phone and you talk real slow because it's late and your mama don't know. Our, our song is the way you laugh, the first date, man, I didn't kiss her and I should have. And when I got home, for I said amen, asking God if he could play it again, Our Song. Pardon me if this is cheesy. What is Our Song? As Christians, we could do much worse than Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. What Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 has for us is the gospel. First, the bad news about ourselves as sinners, but then the resounding good news, what God has done for us in Christ. And it's our song. And and part of what Ephesians, why we're doing Ephesians, you know, I haven't connected this. We did that first series on identity and authority and community because that's what Ephesians is about. The book of Ephesians is written to a group of Christians in Ephesus, a major city with lots of idols, like any city in America, like Columbia, South Carolina. And Paul is driving them the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be in community together? What does it mean to take our cues from the Lord himself and his word? And that's what we have, but we're not going to experience the riches and the depth of being solid in that for ourselves, of being solid in that with each other of being solid in that as we follow Jesus if we don't know our song and if we can't sing our song with joy. Two things I want you to see as we work through this passage tonight. Just two points. First, I want to talk about where grace meets us. And then second, I want to talk about where grace takes us. Where grace meets us and then where grace takes us. That's our song. So let's first talk about where grace meets us. And look at that list. It's pretty brutal. The way Paul describes sin, it's like a, it's like a Jackson, I mean, it's like a, a work of art. I mean, he captures every aspect of it. I just want to go through it quickly. He first talks about who were we? We're dead in our trespasses and sins. He says walking in them. Another way we could say that is we've done some shady stuff. And, and I love the way the Anglican prayer book says it, in thought, word, and deed. Following the prince of the power of the air. Okay, that's weird. Ephesians is not shy about spiritual forces at work. It's not shy about Satan. The way that I want to say it is there are greater powers at work often in our lives. The idols we worship. The sins we fall into. There are greater powers at work. Living in the passions of our flesh. Let's say this about sin. Part of the draw for us is it feels good in the moment. I love the way that one pastor says, sin always overpromises, which is why we're enticed in our flesh, but it underdelivers. We have the moment of euphoric pleasure and comfort or whatever, but then we wake up in the hangover of shame and guilt, living in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our bodies and minds. We schemed. <laughs> Buddy, have we schemed to get what we want? To worship the idols that control us. And we're by nature children of wrath. In other words, we were blissfully unaware of how all of this landed on God himself. How he felt about it. How he feels about it. 
And not to mention, we have our excuses, right? Here are just some that I thought about. Here's one. This is what I do, but this is not really who I am. Really? Isn't what we do, doesn't make us who we are? Uh, At least I'm not as bad as they are. That one's huge. Like, I've done this, but I've not done that. I really can stop whenever I want. Can you? Can I? Uh, They shouldn't be hurt by what I did. They're just snowflakes. They're just way too sensitive. They need to grow a thicker skin. No, no, what if they really were hurt by what you said or did? Or, I'm a good person. And sometimes we say that like, I'm a good person. <laughs> like, are, am I convinced? Are you? Tell me, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Uh, this is Harry Styles. So I was thinking about this. My daughter is a huge, she's a senior. Might come to Carolina. That'll be fun. She said, I'm not sure I want you as my campus minister. I'm like, I get it. That is fair. But she's a big Harry Styles fan. And so she's got the sweatshirt. The Harry Styles slogan, treat people with kindness. But then the irony was so rich to me. If you follow this don't worry darling stuff. Have you seen sort of what happened when he, they go to the premiere in Cannes and Harry like does that weird thing with Chris Pine where it looks like he spits on him uh, and it's like the disconnect between treat people with kindness. I'm going to spit in your face. Uh, you see it all the time on Twitter. I'm not going to name names, but there's a, a local restaurateur who's uh, has been loud in COVID and there was this one, but all about kindness, right? All about like, we should be kind to each other. We should love each other and accept each other. And he had this tweet that just did me in. <laughs> he, said, he said, oh, your, grandma, your grandmother uh, doesn't like the vaccine? Well, F your grandmother. And I was like, oh, <laughs> treat people with kindness. We know this hypocrisy. Uh, that's why I love that Mark Twain quote where he says, heaven goes by favor. If it went by merit, you would stay out and your dog would go in. Um, I love the way that Eugene Peterson in the message, he describes, what does this mean? Dead in sin. This is us. Paul is saying this is all of us before Christ. Uh, what does it mean? Here's the way that Eugene Peterson says it. He, this is the paraphrase from the message. He says, it wasn't so long ago, of Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled, ex- exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Uh, one of my favorite if you follow McSweeney's at all, McSweeney's is like a, it's a, it's a comic blog, uh, internet magazine of sorts. And it does these really uh, satirical, like op-eds almost feels to them. And there's this one that I love. It's, it's narrated by a dog. And it's called Who's a Good Boy? And here's how it goes. So it's from the place of like a, a golden retriever of, of a dog to his master. And here's how it goes. He says, I can tell from the look in your eyes and the tone of your voice that you mean to imply that I am the good boy in question. You're offering me praise and support, and I'm wagging my tail and excitedly patting my feet as if to say, is it me? I hope it's me. I'm the good boy. Yes, I am. But you should know that it is a charade. (laughs) Look in my eyes. 
Really look into my eyes and you'll see the truth. I am not a good boy, not by any definition. I don't really what you what you I don't really have what you would call a moral compass. And I'm not just talking about the poop. You think you know about the poop. You joke with your friends about how much I love to eat poop, that I prefer it to steak. (laughs) But it's not a joke to me. And let me take a moment to correct you. I don't eat poop. I savor it. Mine is fine, but the cat's poop is better. Another another dog's poop is also acceptable. I don't discriminate. You think you have cured me of my late-night foraging trips into the litter box? but I have only become more stealthy. I do it now more than ever, silently, joyfully. And then you are all too eager to let me lick your face, to let me kiss your mouth. But that's just the beginning. I have done things. Oh, the things I have done. The times I have watched you with your girlfriend, the items around the house I have intentionally marked as mine, and the precious items of yours I have chewed to bits. Knowing that I did both of those things, not out of boredom, but by design. The small animals in the yard I have pursued and caught whose lives I have unceremoniously snuffed out. The joy I felt each time as I did it. The shame that followed. Then the rising desire to do it all over again. The cycle I can never break, that I never want to break. The doors I have scratched to feel the splinters under the pads of my paws just to feel alive. The plans I have made while I watched you sleep. So, okay, sure. I'm a good boy. I'm a very good boy. Yes, I am. And I do want to walk later. A nice hike up in the canyon. In fact, that's perfect. The canyon. Those canyon trails are exactly what I had in mind. Yeah, good boy. Very good boy. With a very good plan. That's weird, but why do I love it? (laughs) I love it because it drives what Paul's talking about. In our pride, (laughs) I'm not going to say it like this. In our pride, we're the good boy, good girl. But in your sober moments before the Lord, you know what you've done. You know who you are. I know who I am. And this is where the turn starts to happen. Here's the thing I'm trying to convince you of, and we're going to keep moving for time's sake. The thing I want to convince you of is the gospel will never be good news to you if you've not first believed the bad news about yourself. You see that? You will never think... What a savior until you need to be saved until you know you can't save yourself. That's what Paul is saying. I love the way that Tim Keller says it. You're not sick in your sins. You're not having a bad day in your sins. You're dead in your sins, meaning you can do nothing about it. There is nothing you can do. That's why Paul makes this point. You were saved by grace, by grace alone, through faith, not by works, because if it was by works, if you even responded as part of your salvation, you could boast. Why am I a Christian and my friend's not? It's not because of anything I've done. It's not because I deserve it more than they do. So the first question is, have you believed the bad news about yourself? But then secondly and quickly, where grace takes us, if that's where grace meets us. And I love the way that one guy says it. It's not where we've been pretending to me. Grace meets us where we are. But where does grace take us? I love the way this guy, Daryl Johnson, he talks about this passage. Paul uses three words, justice, mercy, and grace. And he, he defines them in a way that I thought was really helpful. He says, justice, that idea of we're children of wrath. Justice is what we deserve for our sin. He says, justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. 
But grace, which is what Ephesians 2 is about, is getting what we don't deserve, right? Which is not just Jesus dying for our sins, but look, Paul has three active verbs that he says are ours by grace. If you've trusted in Christ, if you've collapsed upon him, you've known your sin, you've known your need, you've put your trust in Christ. He says there are three big verbs that God has done in our lives. First, he has made us alive together with Christ. Second, he has raised us up with him. And third, he has seated us with him in the heavenly places. Here's the way I was thinking about it. Just follow with me for a second. This is the gospel. We were once dead, but so was Jesus. We were dead in our sins, but Jesus died for our sins. We walked in them, but Jesus walked in righteousness. We were following the devil himself, but Jesus defeated the devil himself. We lived in the passions of our flesh, but Jesus lived in the passion of his father. We carried out the desires of our bodies, but Jesus gave his body for us to be broken because he desired us. We were children of wrath, but Jesus, the son of God, bore the wrath of God for us that we might become the children of God. No one said it better than John Stott. He said it like this, the concept of substitution. We say in our if sometimes, Jesus lived the life I could never live. And that is my righteousness. And he died the death I deserve to die for my sin because he loves me and he earned my forgiveness. Here's what John Stott says. The concept of substitution may be said to lie at the heart of both sin and salvation. And listen to this. For the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. But God sacrifices himself for man and puts himself where only man deserves to be. Man claims prerogatives that belong to God alone, but God accepts penalties that belong to man alone. If you've been around RF, you've heard me do this, and that's okay. Every year I do it. Uh, Iron Giant, if you've ever seen that movie, one of my favorite uh, animated movies of all time. And if you know that story... The Iron Giant, this is set in like 50s, 60s, height of the Cold War between the U.S. and Russia, in a small town in America, I think in the New York area. And all you need to know is this Iron Giant comes crashing from space onto, into this, uh, right around in the woods of this small town. And this little boy is living with his single mom. His name's Hogarth. He, he discovers this Iron Giant. And this little boy, you can tell he's an outcast. He can't quite fit in. He's going through the processing divorce and just hard stuff. But he and the giant become great friends. All you really need to know is the U.S. military at the time is nervous that this giant is somehow some sort of Russian spy. So there's this one crazed general in particular who is dead set on finding this giant and destroying this giant. And as the movie builds, basically this, this uh, crazed general has called in all of the reinforcements. He's called in bombs and missiles. And he's called in particular this essentially a nuclear missile. In small town, as these tanks and planes are coming into town, the giant has been discovered. He, he's sort of they, the whole town ends up gathered in the town square. And as the general comes with this missile, and he, and he, without thinking, fires it, without realizing this missile is going to not just destroy the giant, it's going to destroy everyone in this town. And in this beautiful moment, the iron giant 
sees this missile kind of going into the air, realizes what's about to happen. He looks at the people. He looks at his friend, Hogarth, this little boy, and he just lifts off into the, into the sky. And he, he lifts off into the sky, and in this beautiful moment, as he reaches just kind of the highest right before space, essentially, he takes this rocket and he brings it into himself and he explodes into a thousand pieces. And right before he does it, this is my favorite part that brings the waterworks for me, where my kids are like, Dad, you're weird. And I'm like, don't you believe the gospel? He takes it, and right before he explodes himself, he smiles. And I love the way that... Um, this comes from another pastor, but he says... It makes me think of that place in Hebrews 12 where it says about Jesus, he goes to the cross for the joy set before him. And then he asks the question, what was that joy? And that joy is you. And that joy is me. That Jesus gives himself joyfully in our place to die the death that we deserve. This is the way I want to say it to you. The gospel is that your badness isn't lost in Jesus. The things you feel the most shame about tonight, it's not lost in him. In fact, it's why he came. It's why he came for you, for me. And he came to take us in as we are, not as we've been pretending to be. And Paul finishes this beautiful passage saying, and he's at work in your life if you belong to him. He's at work in your life enabling you to repent and follow him because he has good works for you to walk in. Don't get it twisted. They are his works. But he invites you to walk in them with him. And the beauty of becoming a Christian and the beauty of your whole Christian life is we we are stumbling by God's grace in the right direction. You're going to fall. I'm going to fall. But Jesus, by his grace, is going to pick us up again. and We begin to walk in newness of life, stumbling in the right direction. It makes me think of the first time, you know, this is true for all of my kids, but Alyssa's got a video of our youngest, Sadie. Um, She was born with a condition called Dandy Walker, which affects her, um, essentially her, her motor skills, her fine motor skills. So walking was a big deal. So we've got this video, and when I saw it for the first time, I wasn't there, but Alyssa was there and sent me the video where she's beginning to, in physical therapy, beginning to walk for the first time. And can I tell you, as a parent, this is true for all your kids, but this was especially true for Sadie. Let me tell you what I didn't do. I didn't say, you call that walking? (laughs) I cried. Because she's stumbling in the right direction. Do you know that's how God feels about you? I love that I'm close with this. I love the way that Brendan Manning says it. I can't say it better. He says it like this. To be alive is to be broken. To be broken is to stand in need of grace. It is only through grace that you could dare to hope to become more like Christ. The question the gospel of grace puts to us is simply this. Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid that your weakness could separate you from the love of Christ? It can't. 
Your inadequacies, they can't. Your loneliness, your anxiety, your depression, they can't. Your rejection, your mistakes, your negative self-image, they can't. You're messing up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, your browser history, your last night in five points, they can't. The gospel of grace calls out, listen to this, nothing can ever separate you from the love of God made visible in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And can I say to you, that's our song. That's our song. Let's pray. Our Lord, we thank you for the good news of your grace toward sinners like us. Uh, We trust you. You alone um, can bring it home to our hearts in ways that profoundly change our lives. You know how we need to hear that specifically tonight. The places where we need you to lead us in the grace of repentance and the grace of of the places where we need to be convicted and the place where we need to be comforted. And we trust that to you. Would you do that in our midst? And would you make us a beautiful community of those who know our song, the song of your grace toward those who were dead in our sins but have been made alive in Christ, who were lost but now have been found. We ask these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Please stand and sing with us our last song.